0: Oh, well, don't you know there's times in life where you need to encourage yourself? You just need to know that God's there and you just have to pick it up and encourage yourself because it doesn't look like there's anyone around that's going to do the encouraging. So you just have to encourage yourself. And sometimes you have to get up and come to church because you need to encourage yourself. You need to get where there is that you know God's going to be loving people and encourage yourself. And one of the times in my life when I need to encourage myself, I actually got on a plane and flew to Minneapolis, Minnesota, because they were holding a convocation there. And in that convocation, there was going to be a lot of people who'd been kicked out of their churches. And so I thought, this might be a good place for me to go for encouragement. And so I went to this convocation in uh, Minneapolis, And as I walked in the door, they had encouraged all of us to bring candles from our locations so we would have a representation up on the altar. And as you came in, there was an altar of steps lifted up and all these hundreds of candles. And they were all lit. I pray for safety for that person, whoever lit all those candles and put those up there. But they were going through the book of Exodus and they were uh, saying, this was our burning bush and God was going to speak to us over the weekend. And so we were asked to take off our sandals and participate in worship, expecting to hear something new, expecting to hear a miracle. And so those candles were lit, and the bush was going, and I'm so thankful that the Gospel Ensemble this morning, you know, they have all those fire colors. Don't you appreciate good fire with yellow and orange and blue and purple? You know, it's not just one color. It's all flickering and going and all their voices together. It's Pentecost. Are you ready on Pentecost to hear something new? You know, because some people say it's the miracle of a tongue, but there's a whole bunch of scholars that say it's the miracle of the ear. It's the miracle of being able to understand. It's the miracle of hearing what God's telling you and being blessed by it. So happy Pentecost. Expect a blessing today. Expect to hear in a new way that you may not have heard before. So, we're in this series, More Than Mary, and we've been talking about the images of God in the scripture that are feminine images of God, and we're going to do another one of those today, and my mind started wondering about this image we have of God and how sometimes we only want to see God as male, and how sometimes when we get pushed with an image of God as feminine, we kind of react. You know, the Catholic Church always says, don't go see that movie. Y'all remember some of those? You know, it's a little bit too challenging. And I remember, do you remember what movie, uh, do you remember in, uh, oh, goodness, I forgot the name of the movie. The star was Alanis Morissette, and she played God? You get your card punched. Good for you. Dogma. She showed up as God, and some of these people were just so anxious about it and angry about it that here she was showing up as the image of God in that movie Dogma. And then, you know, you could even get more irate if you're not only sexist, but you're also racist, because then the shack came out, and you had Octavia Spencer playing Papa, uh, the god figure in the shack, and you could really be horrified. And the church tells you, don't go see that. It's just a little bit too outside of our doctrine for you to go see and understand. And so I, I, I exhausted my contemporary pop knowledge of these feminine god images, which might tell you something. And I went to some art images because I knew some artists had done paintings of El Shaddai. And so I looked at quite a few paintings. I want you to see these two because they're very different. Uh, One of them, an artist uh, called this painting El Shaddai and it's just an image of a breasted one. We'll talk about that in a minute. But of God in the feminine. And then I want you to see this different one because my husband would hold me over coals if I didn't show you this one too from a graphic novel El Shaddai. God as warrior female in this graphic novel, and you've got the image of a sword cutting through things, and you've got the God of breasts. And we're going to be talking about that image El Shaddai throughout today. Does it startle you a little bit? Just some? <laughs> Just some? Yeah. I promised Marsha sitting out there that I was talking about her all day today. <laughs> yeah, I was talking about her all day today. So so my favorite image though is the opera diva. You know the opera diva with uh with a, with a hat on? It's the image of this mighty, mighty breasted one, you know. And I and, and, and Van English, our decor person, found this wonderful rainbow Viking hat. And so you know I have to put it on. And then and then I have to try, oh is that how they sound? Oh, well, that's the best I, that's the best I can do. But the image, the image of El Shaddai is the image of this mighty breasted one with a voice, with a voice that overcomes everything and brings healing. A mighty breasted one, and this is too hot to keep on the whole time. I know some of you are taking pictures. I'll have to pose with you later. But these images of God, these are images, captions, parts, facets of God because God is bigger than we can ever name. And so whenever we make God smaller than what we can name, we create our own graven image. Whenever we say God is only this and not that, we create an idol. And you know, we're really good at it. We do it all the time. Make God less than God is. And use only certain language for God, maybe only male language and not female language. Only images of God that are all powerful and destructive and maybe not life-giving. Maybe not healing. But God is bigger than everything we can manage. And all the names of God we choose together to use still isn't everything God is to us and for us. And so we lift in the series... Some names of God that have been sort of excised out of history. They're in the scriptural text, they've been there all along. But we who read in English aren't able to see the subtlety, so we talked about Shekinah on the first Sunday. And today we're going to talk about El Shaddai because in scripture, what they've done is they've removed the feminine of these words, and they're used repeatedly in our Bible. And so what does it mean if we've removed all of these images and stuck only with the masculine ones? It may mean we've created an idol that we might need to look at. And so as we talk about what the Hebrew people used to, you know, and I went to seminary. And in seminary they teach you just enough Hebrew to be dangerous. Just enough Greek to be dangerous. You know, a few years later you've lost most of it, but you still think you know it. And so what I typically do is go to scholars whenever I'm trying to look at any of these languages and pull from them. And so when we talk about how God's mostly named, it's named as Yahweh. And the tradition of the Hebrew folks was that you couldn't say God's name. And Yahweh was a name that meant uh, I am, or it is I, just a name of being. It was neither feminine nor masculine, male nor female. Yahweh, the name of God, was both and neither Yahweh was larger than we can imagine and is. And so what happens, though, in time is that the Jewish people, since they wouldn't say the word Yahweh, put a substitute name in. And that substitute name was Adonai. And how Adonai gets translated into English is as Lord, which is as male. And so what does it mean if we've had a word in our Bible all the time that's meant non-gender that is now gendered? for only half of our people? What does it do to little girls and women who are then less than little boys and men because of the language we've chosen to use? Maybe we could find some healing if we were able to shift what historically has been done incorrectly You know, when the first time I went to that conference and they had the the burning bush up here with all their candles, they started to tell the Exodus story, and in the middle of the story, God speaks. And so I'm waiting to hear God speak, and all of a sudden, somewhere you can't see, this voice comes out into the crowd. It's the voice of an 83-year-old Filipino woman who had immigrated as an adult into the U.S. And I heard that voice, and I thought, this is different this is different. Had a little bit of her accent from home and was with us and speaking in her, her feminine 83 years old and I thought, you know, where's James Earl Jones? <laughs> that's the voice I'm supposed to be hearing because there's, that's God's voice, right? You know, this little Lupe, I'm not so sure this is the right voice for us to hear from God, but we're programmed. We're programmed to have these images and make us not even see what else there is. So if we choose to always translate Adonai as Lord and it becomes male, we are changing the intent of the Hebrew people and their understanding of God. That's a big thing to swallow. We have to really watch out. Then we have Shaddai, which gets translated as Almighty. Shaddai means the breasted one. Shad, short for Shaddai, means breast. I don't know how we can mistranslate it, but we do. We do. And this is from one of the scholars. It says, Shaddai follows the common pattern for divine name, forming using a natural element, a breast, and adding an adjectival suffix. Thus, Shaddai would mean the breasted one. So whenever you have El Shaddai or Shaddai in Scripture, it's saying God is the breasted one. The breasted one blesses you. Boy, does that just make you feel comfortable? Some of you, yeah. Some of you, what's he talking about? I sang that Amy Grant song. I know that's not what that means. I remember being in my early 20s and going down to the Coliseum. Do y'all remember? the? How many people know what the Coliseum is? The Coliseum? El Shaddai, El Shaddai. Y'all remember? Mighty-breasted one, mighty-breasted one. That is the Hebrew intent. That is the scriptural intent. And then in our scripture, it gets translated as almighty one instead of mighty-breasted one. Something's kind of stinky with that. If we want to expand our images of what God is coming to us as larger than they currently are, and I know some of you are saying, Troy, this is just something you want to say that's not really true, and I just want to show you some Bible verses to show you where it is. Then you can make up your own mind. And so in the book of Genesis, there's quite a bit. So we're not going to do all the books of the Bible that El Shaddai is in because we'd be here all weekend. But we're going to do Genesis and maybe a couple other examples. And so if we look at Genesis, the first one we have up here, Genesis 28, Isaac called Jacob and blessed Jacob and charged Jacob, may God Almighty, bless you and make you fruitful and numerous, that you may become a company of peoples. So the blessing of God to Jacob in the very beginning is El Shaddai. And I noticed in the first service when I did this up here, I pulled my punch because I should have gone ahead and translated it correctly. I should have gone ahead and said and charged him, May the breasted one bless you. Or the mighty breasted one bless you and make you fruitful. Another verse from Genesis. If we look at that, chapter 35, God said, I am the breasted one. Be fruitful and multiply. Become a nation and a company of nations shall come from you. Kings shall spring from you. Again in Genesis, we get to another chapter. Take Benjamin also and return to the official. May the breasted one grant you mercy before the official, who they don't know yet is Joseph, Joseph so that he may send back your other brother and Benjamin because I'm grieved that I don't have my children with me. These are within the stories that we know. These are within the stories we tell one another, and yet we haven't heard it as the Hebrew people heard it. The next chapter in Genesis goes to, And Jacob said to Joseph, The breasted one appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. So these are some of the foundational stories of our scripture. And I think I switched from Genesis to another book in the Bible here. If we look at the next slide from Ruth, y'all tend to know Ruth, yes? Okay. She said to them, no longer call me Naomi or Mara, for Yahweh has dealt bitterly with me. I went away full, but the breasted one has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Yahweh has dealt harshly with me? And the breasted one has brought calamity upon me. So God is seen as mighty and powerful, both the giver and taker away of blessings and her suffering from the breasted one. Let's go on to the next. We have two more, and then we're done. Exodus. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, the breasted one, but not by my name, because I am, I am. I did not make myself fully known to them. So these are the stories we tell of God and our faith. The last one is from Ezekiel. So the great vision Ezekiel has, then the glory of Yahweh rose up from the cherub to the threshold of the house, and the house was filled with a cloud, and the court was full of the brightness of the glory of Yahweh. The sounds of the wings of the cherubim was was heard as far as the outer court, like the voice of the breasted one speaking. Oh, if I might have heard that as a child, what might have been different in my life? Oh, as young girls heard it as a child, how it might have been different in their life. See, this is important because when we limit God, we limit all of humanity. This is important because when we limit God, we cause harm. This is important when we restrict God to one gender, we have made a graven image and guilty of idolatry. And we don't only hurt girls and women, we hurt men who no longer know their true place in creation and sometimes cause greater harm. So this is really important that we recognize that God is bigger than perhaps we have known. Now, we could go further with these verses in the Psalms. We could have gone through the book of Job, where there's literally hundreds of references to El Shaddai, the breasted one. But you've not heard that when you've read the book of Job. But that is the translation, the mighty breasted one. So it's important to remember this when people are saying, no, God's only a man, or that men are better than women. It's important to remember this divine image from our Bible. God El Shaddai the mighty breasted one I'm thankful for any pentecost spirit that blows in the world I'm thankful this past week that I heard Pope Francis have a pentecost moment he said that women were going to be available or they're going to consider consider making women available for ordination as deacons in the church this is a big step It's a big step, Pentecost moment, have women be available to be deacons in the Catholic Church. Now, we're way over here on this, so we say, that's a nice little inch you took. You know, take another one, take another one, ordain them as priests, let them become pope, you know, keep moving along. But it was a Pentecost moment for the Catholic Church and for Pope Francis to take that step. And we all have those Pentecost moments in our life where maybe we can hear just a little bit differently so that our hearts are strangely warmed, so that we are converted in a new way, so that we know healing in our life. So as we celebrate the Pope and the starting their journey, let us not just put it all off on them. Let us remember that perhaps because this is the way our scripture has been interpreted all these years, we don't have an equal rights amendment for women. We tried, but it failed. Perhaps because we didn't lift the image of the divine feminine up as equally as we did the male image, we don't have equal pay. Perhaps because we've excised the feminine out of God so many times in our history as people, we don't give women autonomy over their bodies and the capacity to use their own mind and spirit and discernment. Oh, we have so much to be healed from. And it comes right back to our language because language is powerful. So, as Reverend Vicki said when we started this, I'm not trying to make you change your prayer language, however you call God in that space, but I'm asking you to think bigger, more expansively about how God works in the world, in life, and who God is. Because it's Pentecost, miracle of the ear. Now, I thought I was being real contemporary recently. I thought, Troy, you are up with the young people. Yeah. And it's not because I got a new phone. It's because, <laughs> it's, a few, it's a few, which I need to do. Uh, a few years ago, I watched this movie called Juno. Have you all seen this movie, Juno? Okay. And in this movie, I listened, I started paying attention to it, and the young women in the movie were calling each other dude. And I thought, oh, I, don't, I need to pay attention to this. This is a new thing that I should be aware of. And so I started to practice. Dude. Dude. He laughs at me a lot. Sometimes when I don't want him to. But dude. dude, With me, with me. And so I started, this, I started using dude and talking to him until some women of our congregation said to me, no, Troy, that really doesn't include me, you know? So I thought I was being cool and all hip and stuff, and I said, but it wasn't my word to use. Perhaps if one one young woman wants to call another dude, they can, but it's not my word to use at all. And so I had to let go of being in and with it. Then I had to learn that it wasn't okay for me to keep saying you guys. And you see, when I moved to Chicago and was there for 10 years, I had to not learn to use y'all. And so the word that they trained us into was you guys. And you guys was supposed to mean men and women. And so I got back to Texas, and I was in a meeting and started using you guys. And they said, that doesn't include all of us. Try again, Troy, try again. Listen for the Spirit and try and shift a little bit further and so I've been trying, and you know, it's hard. For 10 years, I practiced you guys so that they wouldn't make fun of my y'all. And so I, was, so I got you guys down, you know, and I very rarely would use y'all, and it only came out when I was preaching. <laughs> whatever, that, whatever that means. And so I'm trying so y'all can pray with me to work on how I excise you guys from my language, and I reclaim my y'all, because you know, y'all's a good contraction. Don't let anyone from any other part of the country tell you otherwise. Y'all includes all y'all. <laughs> right? Y'all includes all y'all. Y'all need to. So it is Pentecost. May we have a miracle of ear and hear in a new way. In ways that we may not have known God to be. In ways we may not have called God called us to be. May we be open to the spirit. May we say, be gone, sexism. Begone racism. Begone anything that makes us sh- not have a y'all that means all. Amen.